God's wristwatch runs a little bit differently than ours. We are incredibly impatient. And I have a confession for you this morning. This is a safe place to confess things. I'm a terrible fisherman. Uh, and that's not be, me being humble, like I really am a terrible fisherman. I've broken rods, I've tangled lines, I've cast into trees, I've fallen in the water. It's true. Uh, but the worst part is I'm incredibly impatient because I don't want to sit around and wait on a fish. I want to catch fish on my timeline, which is uh, uh, immediately. I bring a microwave mindset to most things in my life. I want them to happen within 30 seconds. That's why I give up on diets. I exercised yesterday and I ate healthy yesterday. I'm still chubby today. What is going on here? But instantaneous action is never promised in the Bible. Many in the Old Testament, they waited decades or generations for things to happen the way that God said they would. Moses led God's people out of slavery, but he never saw them enter the promised land. They'll enter the promised land they did because God keeps his promises. Friends, you need to know that God isn't bound by time. We are. We are time bound. He is eternal. He is everywhere and he is always. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning, Point family. Now, for those of you that I don't know, my name is Adam. I'm Vicar Adam, not Pastor Adam. All of us around here are named Adam. Uh, But Pastor Adam's traveling this week, so I get a chance to spend some time with you this morning, and I'm really grateful for the opportunity to do that. So whether you're with us in this beautiful and historic church in downtown Knoxville, or you're watching on live stream, thank you, all of you, for being with us this morning. We do continue our worship at this time in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There was a man who had been stranded alone on a desert island for many, many years, when at last a ship's captain who was passing by happened to see sign of life on the island, he went in to investigate and he found the man on the beach. The man who had been stranded, he said, I know this is odd, but can we take just a few minutes and I can show you around? I've been here a very long time. The captain said, absolutely, that's fine. So the man said, you see this first building here? I built this building with my own hands. This is my house. This is where I slept and I stayed out of the elements. The building beside that, well, that was kind of my barn or storehouse. If I could fashion tools or find food, I would keep them in that place. The small building beside that, believe it or not, that was my gym. That's where I worked out. That's where I tried to stay in shape and stay healthy. But the building beside that, well, that was something special. See, that was my church. That's where I went day in, day out, and I prayed. Prayed that somebody would see me. Prayed that somebody would come find me and rescue me. I prayed, I guess, in that sense, for you. And as the man turned to leave, the captain said, yeah, but what about that building over there? The guy said, "Uh, that's the church that I used to go to. 
can't win them all, I guess. So, uh, today we're talking about hope and the idea of living in hopeful anticipation. I used my Google machine to find some definitions of hope. Hope is a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen, or a desire for something to happen, or an optimistic state of mind. More appropriately, I like for us to look at kind of more of a biblical definition of hope, and that is the confident knowledge of what God has promised and the strength and certainty lie in His faithfulness. So the first few definitions are about me, me, me. The second is more about God and the hope that God keeps His promises. And that's going to be what we're talking about this morning from 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 is the third and final uh, chapter of 2 Peter. English translations will sometimes title this passage, The Day of the Lord Will Come or Hope for Christians. If you want to follow along in your Bible, you can do so, the Bible that you brought on your phone. If you're using a pew Bible, it's page 1265, 1265. So 2 Peter chapter 3, let's look at verses 1 through 2. It says, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. First, the word beloved, it's a Greek word, agapetos. It's a deep concern or love for others. That's the purpose of this letter's being written, because Peter loved them. Verse 2, it says, stirring up your sincere mind. Other translations call it stimulating you to wholesome thinking. Paul in Philippians 4.8 says something similar. It says, finally, brothers, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Deuteronomy 11.18 in part says, lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. So Peter's saying, hey, false prophets are going to come. They're going to try to lead you astray. They're going to try to make you believe their lies. So you have to remember, stir up a sincere mind, pursue wholesome thinking. This will be your first and your greatest offense. Verse 2, it says, holy prophets and apostles. This was a big deal. For Peter, this was a big and bold statement. What the apostles are saying to you, what, they, what they're saying is on, on par of what the prophets previously spoke of. So it elevates in that sense the apostles to a level equal to the prophets. Peter says, remember these things. Remember the predictions of old and listen to the words of the apostles. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 through 7. It says, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. Following their own sinful desires, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Peter goes on, he says, for they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the word that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. Shoo, this is the sermon that I got while Pastor Adam traveled. So. 
So firstly, let's look at scoffers. What is a scoffer? Well, it's a person who makes fun of something or someone. It's usually a person's religion or their moral values. Both the Psalms and the Proverbs, they, wor- they, warned, they warned against scoffers, just as Peter is uh, warning here. Verse 3 talks about the last days. So what are the last days? Well, we're living in the last days. It's this period of history that's sometimes referred to as the already, but not yet. See, Christ has already come, but he has not yet returned. The last days were inaugurated by Christ's first coming in the day of the Lord when he returns. Verse 3 says, following their own sinful desires. So Peter said you should be focused on the good, the holy, the wholesome, your memory fresh with God's word. Let the scoffers pursue their own sinful, sometimes translated evil, desires. Just as in the days of the early church, many around us are following their own sinful desires. They say the Bible isn't truly God's word, not really. So they extract out the parts that they don't like. I talked to Adam of several months back and he was preparing a sermon. He said, I'm going to try to drive this point home. I'm going to tear pages out of the Bible. I said, no, you can't do that. But he did and that's what he's talking about. People pull parts out of God's inerrant and infallible word that they don't like. Verse 4 says, where is the promise of his coming? So at the time that Peter penned this second epistle or letter, the apostles and followers of Christ probably hoped and they expected that Christ would return during their lifetimes. And we share in that hopeful anticipation. Through all the difficulties of life and a recent pandemic, we kind of half joking and half seriously say, come quickly, Lord Jesus, especially when we almost run out of toilet paper. But let's be clear about something before we move on. Christ may return during our lifetimes. He may. But whether he comes now or he comes many, many generations from now, it doesn't diminish God's greatness or make his promises any less true. When my wife and I were young, we would drop our son off at daycare. And he was very young. And it was very difficult. And don't you judge me, but I cried. But every time that we would leave him, we would stand at the door and we would tell him something that we hoped would bring hope and give him comfort. He said, we'll be back. We'll be back, buddy. We wanted him to know that we're not leaving you for good. Though some nights, sleepless nights and lots of crying, it was kind of tempting. But uh, I'm sure to him sometimes it felt like a lifetime without us. Other days, maybe he barely noticed that we were gone. But every single afternoon, we we returned just as we promised we would. Christ will return. Verse 4, they say, all things are continuing just as they have since the beginning of creation. False teachers, they say that nothing is changing. The world is just continuing as it always has, unchanged. It's a mindset of uniformitarianism. Uniformitarianism. Please don't text in in a minute and ask me to spell that because I'm just going to go ahead and concede defeat. God isn't going to step in and destroy the world with fire. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't destroy the earth. He did. And he will. Peter responds in verse 5 and 6. He said, you're deliberately forgetting a couple of really important things. The creation account and the account of the flood. At the very beginning of the Bible in the first book in Genesis... 
we read that the world was created by the word of God. God spoke the world into existence. I can't verbally command our puppy to go potty in the backyard, but uh, God speaks the world into existence. The world was created with water, and it's with water that God flooded the earth as well. Peter says, do you forget the flood? What do you mean everything's going on unchanged? I think sometimes to us it becomes this bright and cheerful Sunday school story. Two by two come the elephants, and two by two come giraffes, and why are they loading up the ark? Because God was going to wipe the world out with water. It It wasn't a luxurious cruise. They weren't on some kind of happy floating zoo. All perished, except for one family, eight people. God destroyed the earth. The rainbow reminds us that he would never do that again with water. Second Peter tells us he created with water, he will destroy with fire. Now most agree this type of destruction isn't the, the fire that's going to come to abolish everything, but really to refine. Think about a precious metal like a gold, a fire that refines. The flood happened. It happened. It's not just Christians that find proof of the flood. In great altitudes, there are marine fossils. There's evidence of sea life. Like an angry southern mother, Peter is reminding us that God brought us into this world and he can take us out. So we need a savior. But a friend of mine said that everybody wants a savior and nobody wants a Lord. So think about that. We're willfully blind or intentionally ignorant because certain things in the Bible offend the lifestyle that we want to lead. 2 Peter chapter 3, let's look at verses 8 through 13. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in the lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promises, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. God's wristwatch runs a little bit differently than ours. We are incredibly impatient. And I have a confession for you this morning. This is a safe place to confess things. I'm a terrible fisherman. Uh, And that's not me being humble. Like I really am a terrible fisherman. I've broken rods, I've tangled lines, I've cast into trees, I've fallen in the water. It's true. Uh, But the worst part is I'm incredibly impatient because I don't want to sit around and wait on a fish. I want to catch fish on my timeline, which is uh, uh, immediately. I bring a microwave mindset to most things in my life. I want them to happen within 30 seconds. That's why I give up on diets. I exercised yesterday and I ate healthy yesterday. I'm still chubby today. What is going on here? But instantaneous action is never promised in the Bible. Many in the Old Testament, they waited decades or generations for things to happen the way that God said they would. 
Moses led God's people out of slavery, but he never saw them enter the promised land. Though enter the promised land they did because God keeps his promises. Friends, you need to know that God isn't bound by time. We are. We are time bound. He is eternal. He is everywhere and he is always. God refers to himself as I am. I love that. See, I am in your past. I am in your present. I am in your future. I'm in your hurt. I'm in your heartache. I'm in your joy and I'm in your jubilation because I am the great I am. See, we want Jesus to come now and when he doesn't, we grow impatient. We give up on him. Jesus would never give up on us. We've got to be more like Jesus. See, he was directly in tune with the Father's will and the Father's timeline. How many times have you read a story about Jesus in the New Testament? And he's like, I know I did this really cool and awesome thing, this miracle. Do me a favor, don't tell anybody about it. You're like, what? No, tell them. Tell the whole world. You're Jesus. Let them know. But he knew his time hadn't come. And it had to occur as the Father willed it, when the Father willed it, and it was at Passover because he was the sacrificial lamb. I love this, my favorite verse from this chapter. Verse 9, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Amen? Amen. See, it's not God's tardiness, but it's his love and his compassion that caused this perceived delay. But while we wait on Christ, we have a duty, we have an opportunity to tell others about Jesus, to bring them in to that hopeful anticipation. Verse 10 says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. First Thessalonians 5.2 says, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Revelation 16.15 in part says, behold, I am coming like a thief. See, thieves don't announce they're coming. They don't say, hey, Adam. This is a phone, by the way. Hey, Adam, uh, 3.15 Saturday morning, we're going to stop by. If you could set out the nice stuff, we don't want to rattle around and wake everybody up, but just set it out and we'll take it. All right, thanks a lot. No. He comes like a thief. We don't know when he's coming. I'll give you a little tip you can take with you as you leave here today. The key component of a false prophet is if they ever tell you the day or the hour that Jesus is coming back. We don't know. Verse 11 says, what sort of people ought you to be in the lives of holiness and godliness? We, like our early brothers and sisters, were susceptible. We believe the naysayers when they make fun of our faith. We believe them for a lot of reasons, but I think it's because we really don't want God's judgment. We don't want his wrath. Everyone wants a savior. Nobody wants a Lord. They don't like the accountability. So we believe the lie that he isn't coming. We go on doing what we want to do. He isn't coming. Kind of like the line from the, from the 90s comedy Wayne's World. Party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. The husband whose flirtation has led to a full-blown affair is never anxious for his wife to come to the dinner they're having. A teenage boy who's looking at something inappropriate on his iPhone isn't anxious for his mother or father to come look over his shoulder. 
In understanding that Christ is coming, we must prepare our hearts and our minds accordingly. What Adam shared from 2 Peter chapter 1 from a couple of weeks ago is that we can participate in God's divine nature, never becoming like God, but becoming more and more ready to escape lies, to avoid corruption, to back away from our own sinful desires. The last chunk comes from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. It says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and, stable and unstable will twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Friends, the scoffers, the, the false prophets, they say that Christ isn't coming. At the time of Peter, just as the present time, scoffers, they pray on the weary. You say, where, where is he? Where is he? Where's your Jesus? He isn't coming back. How can you possibly believe that, you narrow-minded fools? Like doubting Thomas, they say, prove it. Show me, show me the holes in his hands and then I'll believe it. Christ told his disciples this from John 20, 29. Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Scoffers capitalize on the disappointments and the impatience of believers. We're living in a really difficult and broken world, so they tell you you're all alone and he's never coming back. There is nothing, nothing farther from the truth. You are not alone, Christ will return. They say that nothing's changing, all things are just continuing as they always have, but it's not because we remember we remember God's word, creation, and flood. We know he flooded the earth with water. We don't overlook his promises. See, we have not seen, yet we believe. We have hope, that biblical hope that we talked about, the confident knowledge of what God has promised and the strength and certainty lie in his faithfulness. Many, many years ago, prophets told of Christ's first coming, his humble and his lowly birth, and then he came, He's coming again. In the weeks that follow this week, we're gonna prepare our hearts and our minds to celebrate Christ's birth, his first coming, the inauguration or the beginning of the last days, the peace and the assurance that we receive because of his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. He overcame sin, death, and the devil for us. He was and he is the Messiah, the Son of God, our Savior and our Lord. So while 2 Peter talks about the fire and the destruction of the ungodly, we don't look ahead in fear, not us. See, because of Jesus, we look ahead with hopeful anticipation of what 2 Peter calls the new heaven and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. So through Christmas, we're going to look at those who lived in the time just before the birth of Christ, those who lived in hopeful anticipation. 
You can join us on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings through Advent. More information about that. So let me close very simply this morning, and I will do so just as Peter did, concluding his second letter, chapter 3, verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I'm standing off stage, and there's this really long, awkward pause. I'm going, what's going on here? They're waiting on me. I'm, I'm the vicar. I'm the intern, so I need your forgiveness and grace. But um, I should have mentioned that we're, um, if you came prepared to give today, this is the part we do uh, offering. If you came prepared to give today, you may do so in the popcorn buckets that are at the back. Uh, or you can go to thepointknox.com, click on the teal uh, icon, and give that way. So as Adam always says, we don't give to get God's love but because we already have it. So that was the, that was the pause. Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah. No, it's great. It's great. We say come as you are, you know? That's right. Uh, okay, so this is the time that we go through questions and answers. Um, I do want to say one thing before we start. Uh, next week... November 28th, okay. November 28th, Sunday, after church, we're gonna stick around, everyone's invited, to stick around and start decorating for Christmas. Um, we'll have some pizza for you so you don't starve. Um, we'll have some Christmas tunes on. We're just gonna start getting real festive because Thanksgiving will officially be over and we will start our Christmas season. So put that in your calendars, stick around after church next week. Um, and now we will get into Q&A. Uh, there weren't that many questions actually, but there are a handful of just things, okay? Thank you. Yep, yep. First, are we having an ugly Christmas sweater Sunday this year? Yes, I think Adam talked about that last week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, that'll be December 5th, first Sunday in December. We mean it, come ugly. Don't try to be cute. Okay, come ugly. Uh, second question, what kind of wristwatch do you think God has? Maybe an Apple watch? I have an Apple watch, I don't know. Uh, of course, I kind of contradicted myself because I said he, he's everywhere and he's always, so I don't think God really needs a wristwatch. I kind of do that as a, as a form of saying, but uh, Rolex, I don't think God would, would uh, timeless watch. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I, I think he, would have, he has something against apples in general, doesn't he? Yeah. Is he an Apple guy or an Android guy? I don't know. Um, all right, just two more things. First, uh, someone texted in that youth is meeting after church. Um, so join us for donuts, trivia, and candy. How, what, what ages is that? Middle school, high school? Middle school, high school. Middle school, high school. So if you are in middle school, high school, or you have someone with you in middle school, high school, come hang. Um, I feel like you can see you, and you'll point them in the right direction. I yeah, will. cool. Okay, last thing. Um, someone said, I love this so much, just wanted to tell the girl that's saying, this is how I fight my battles, that she has such a beautiful voice. I don't know her name, but can you let her know? Very moving. Her name's Amanda, and she's great. You should be her friend. Okay. It was good. It was, <laughs> it really was good. great. Everyone it was great. Well. All right, that's everything that was texted in this morning. Okay, if that's everything, then receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Have a good week. Amen. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. 
And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.